RTHK News. It's one o'clock. I'm Sean Kennedy. The headlines. Pro-Beijing lawmakers say the government stimulus package doesn't go far enough. Migrant worker concern groups call for more government help for domestic workers. And rugby officials say the decision to delay next year's sevens is like an early Christmas present. Two pro-Beijing lawmakers say the government's latest coronavirus relief package doesn't go far enough. The $5.5 billion is for businesses affected by the latest round of anti-epidemic measures such as gyms, bars and tutorial centres. Here's Timmy Sung. Despite their criticism, both lawmakers said they would still support the government's funding application, which is expected to be discussed in Nashville on Monday. The bulk of it goes to the catering industry in two separate payments, coming as early as a fortnight and a second after February. On an RTHK program, the Federation of Trade Unions' Lok Chong Hong questioned why there was no help for employees, especially those in aviation. Lo Wai Kuo from the Business and Professionals Alliance said training schools for business people were left out. Simon Wong President of the Federation of Restaurants questioned why the money had to come in two separate installments. He also said the government should have helped employees, as some restaurant owners may just wait for the money and then close their businesses. Several migrant workers' concern groups have called for more government pandemic-related support for domestic helpers, such as providing decent accommodation and financial aid following an outbreak at a workers' dormitory in Taipo. In an online press conference, representatives said many maids were forced to stay at their employer's home and work during their rest days. Some were blamed as virus carriers and dismissed. Johanny Tong from the Mission for Migrant Workers urged the government to do more. Many of the policies left employers and workers in difficult situations. For example, it's compulsory quarantine for migrant domestic workers and also where governments rejected to provide free quarantine facilities for migrant domestic workers and also temporary shelter in between jobs. And foreign domestic helpers have been seen queuing outside government coronavirus testing centres at the start of a free scheme today. The maids must first make an appointment before attending any of the 19 community testing centres. The scheme lasts until the end of January and was rolled out after an outbreak at a typo boarding house, which has spread to eight helpers and a family of four. Microbiologist Ho Pak Lung has accused the government of foot dragging after a woman died while waiting to be sent to a quarantine centre. Health officials said the 62-year-old woman was found dead in a flat in Taiwan last Friday, three days after she was ordered into quarantine. She later tested positive for the coronavirus. For the first time since the start of an inquest last month into the death of a university student at a car park in Chengkwano, the jury has paid a virtual visit to the site. 22-year-old Chao Si Lok fell from the building last November during a protest clearance operation. Vicky Wong reports. A government chemist helping police with their investigations and serving as an expert witness at the inquest used 3D scanners at the car park in April and September. He presented the life-sized 3D images on a big projector screen in a special courtroom. The jurors and parents of the deceased wore VR headsets and stood in front of the screen to take turns touring the car park virtually and paying special attention to the spot on the third floor from where Mr Chow was believed to have fallen. The hearing continues. The United States has merged its travel warning for Hong Kong with that of mainland China, urging people to reconsider visiting both places due to arbitrary enforcement of local laws. The State Department said since the national security law was imposed in Hong Kong, Beijing unilaterally and arbitrarily exercises police and security power in the SAR. 
It said a Chinese propaganda campaign falsely accused individuals, including American citizens, of fomenting unrest in Hong Kong and published personal information resulting in some people receiving threats on social media. It also urged caution over the spread of COVID-19 in the SAR. A coalition of U.S. Muslim groups has called on member states of the Organization of Islamic Cooperation to condemn China's treatment of its Uyghur Muslim minority. The coalition accused the OIC's members of having been cowed by China. It said Beijing had an economic chokehold on the Muslim world. The two departments that manage the United States' nuclear stockpile say hackers have gained access to the networks. The U.S. Energy Department and the National Nuclear Security Administration are the latest government agencies to be targeted as part of a massive and ongoing cyber attack. Here's the BBC's Lebo de Seco. This has been called one of the most sophisticated and wide-ranging hacks on the U.S. government in years. On Thursday, the cybersecurity agency CISA said that it was aware of an advanced and persistent threat posing a grave risk to the federal government. The attack is thought to have begun in March and to be ongoing. CISA is also warning that removing the malware will be highly complex and challenging. U.S. media is reporting that the Russian intelligence service, the SVR, is behind the hack. The Russian embassy has called the allegations baseless. A panel of experts in the United States has voted in favour of granting emergency approval to Moderna's coronavirus vaccine, paving the way for it to be shipped as soon as this weekend. The panel voted with 20 members in favour of the vaccine and one member abstaining. The US Food and Drug Administration is expected to authorise the use of the vaccine tonight making it the second to be cleared for use in the United States. Dr. Arnold Monto is chairman of the panel. Congratulations to us all for achieving this emergency use authorization for a second vaccine, which along with other events will eventually and sooner, we hope, break the back of the pandemic. Brazil's Supreme Court has ruled that vaccination against COVID-19 will be compulsory. Those who refuse to comply will be subject to sanctions. Here's the BBC's Leonardo Rocha. The case was brought by a group of people who had argued that compulsory vaccination was in breach of their individual liberties as enshrined in the Constitution. But the Supreme Court said that individuals who refused to be vaccinated could harm the health of the rest of the population. In the past day, Brazil reported that 1,100 people had died with COVID, the highest figure since September. President Jair Bolsonaro, who previously dismissed the severity of the pandemic, has announced that a national vaccination program will start in February. He said the situation is worrying as hospitals struggle to deal with a surge in the number of cases. The Australian city of Sydney has been jolted by a sharp rise in coronavirus cases after months of relative calm and low case numbers. The authorities reported a significant new cluster of infections in northern coastal suburbs. Officials blame complacency for the outbreak. Scientists say smoke from wildfires could be a new route for the spread of infections. Researchers found microbes and fungi, known to cause many ailments in humans, can survive in large numbers in smoky plumes. Here's the BBC's Matt McGrath. It's long been assumed that the biggest threat to human health from wildfire smoke comes from the tiny particles of soot that irritate our airways. But now researchers say that infectious bacteria carried aloft from fires may be a little-known means of spreading disease. The ability of smoke to rapidly circumnavigate the world suggests it could be a missing link in explaining some patterns of sickness, say the scientists. 
When outbreaks of disease occur, doctors normally look for causes in the same geographical area. This new study suggests that long-distance transmission by smoke may be a hitherto unknown means of infection. The European Commission President Ursula von der Leyen says big differences remain to secure a post-Brexit trade deal. Negotiations will continue tonight. Here's the BBC's Chris Mason. For those wanting a deal, a splash of optimism is easy to spot in the words of Ursula von der Leyen. She acknowledges that big differences remain and bridging them will be very challenging, but welcomes what she calls substantial progress on many issues. But Downing Street's tone is more downbeat. The talks are now in a serious situation and agreement will not be reached unless the EU position changes substantially. The European Commission has cleared the 2.1 billion US dollar takeover of the US tech firm Fitbit by Google. The Commission said safeguards would be needed for European users. These included the proviso that the information gleaned from Fitbit's wearable fitness device cannot be used for targeted adverts on Google for the next 10 years. Here's the BBC's Theo Leggett. Approval from the European Commission removes a significant obstacle to a controversial takeover. San Francisco-based Fitbit was once a pioneer of wearable fitness technology. Although it has faced increasing competition from powerful players such as Apple and Samsung, it retains a vast database of potentially very valuable health and fitness data from its customers. The commitments made by Google are designed to prevent this data from being used or restricted in ways that undermine competition. The online giant has also agreed to ensure that rival companies remain fully able to link their devices to smartphones based on its own Android operating system. Mainland tech giant Alibaba has sought to distance itself from a face recognition software feature devised by its cloud computing unit that could help users to identify members of the country's Muslim Uyghur minority. In a statement posted online, Alibaba said it was dismayed to learn that Alibaba Cloud developed the feature. It said the technology was used only in capability testing and not deployed by any customer. It added that it had eliminated any ethnic tag in its products. And two members of the billionaire Sackler family, the owners of Purdue Pharma, have apologised for the role played by the company's OxyContin painkiller in fueling the US opioid epidemic. But in remote testimony to a congressional hearing, David and Kath Sackler denied all personal responsibility. Currencies now, the US dollar is trading at 103.42 yen. The euro is standing at one US dollar and 22 cents. And the pound is worth 10 Hong Kong dollars and 48 cents. Aid agencies in Fiji say Cyclone Yaza has caused extensive damage to homes, crops and infrastructure, but early reports suggest fewer casualties than was earlier feared. The powerful Category 5 storm made landfall on the northern island of Vanua Levu on Thursday, with winds gusting as high as 345 kilometres an hour. Stocks now... And a short time ago, the Hang Seng Index was at 26,505. That's 173 points down on the previous close. Turnover stands at $65.9 billion. And now with the sports, here's Adam Chung. The Hong Kong Rugby Union says the postponement of next year's sevens tournament has provided certainty and is to be received as an early Christmas present. 
The Hong Kong 7s, which is the highlight of the global 7s circuit and helped inspire the sports inclusion in the Olympics, will now kick off on November 5, 2021. Organizers said the city's fourth wave of infections and similar problems around the world prompted them to shift the event from next April to November. The rugby union's chief executive, Robbie McRobbie, says the local rugby community has been supportive during a difficult period for the sport. It has been difficult and we've been forced to make some very difficult decisions, redundancies, pay cuts. But we have been lucky. A couple of things really have made a difference for us. One, Historically, we've had a number of um, Scottish Chartered Accountants on our board and, and they've been um, very, very frugal and they've made sure that, that we put money away for a rainy day. So when we went into COVID, we, we had money in the bank, which we've been able to, to draw on. So we've been extremely lucky with, with that. Uh, and also, um, both ourselves and our clubs have, have got some incredibly loyal and supportive sponsors and they've stuck with us over the last two years. Um, so, yeah, we're... we're we, we really are, as I say. It, for us, it's, it's an early Christmas present. We're, we're delighted to get some clarity, and, and we look forward to putting on uh, a fantastic 45th um, Canada Pacific HSBC 7s in November and, and welcome the world back to Hong Kong. Russia's ban from all major sporting events after a doping scandal has been cut to two years by the Court of Arbitration for Sport. The suspension still prevents Russia from competing in next year's Tokyo Olympics, as well as the 2022 Football World Cup in Qatar. Russia was initially given a four-year ban by the World Anti-Doping Agency. Cass says the reduction should not be seen as any validation of the country's conduct. The ban will now run until December 16, 2022. More from the BBC's Alex Kapstick. The decision by the Court of Arbitration for Sport means that Russia won't be formally represented at any major global tournament for the next two years. The World Anti-Doping Agency said it was disappointed its recommended four-year sanction had been cut in half, but the punishment is still unprecedented. The country's flag and anthem will be absent for the Tokyo Olympics next year, the Beijing Winter Games in 2022 and the Qatar World Cup later that year. Russian athletes will, though, be allowed to compete as long as they can prove they're not linked to any doping cases. Finally in football, Manchester United moved into the top six of the English Premier League after they came from behind to win 3-2 at bottom side Sheffield United. Marcus Rashford scored twice for Manchester United. They're now five points off the top. Burnley moved out of the bottom three after drawing 0-0 away to Aston Villa. And that's your look at sports. Thanks, Adam. Now to end the news, the top stories once again. Pro-Beijing lawmakers say the government's stimulus package doesn't go far enough. Migrant worker concern groups say the decision to delay next year's sevens is like... I'm sorry, migrant worker concern groups call for more government help for domestic workers. And rugby officials say the decision to delay next year's sevens is like an early Christmas present. The news from RTHK. Fight the virus, stay vigilant. If you think you have a higher risk of COVID-19 exposure or experience discomfort, you can collect specimen bottles for free testing from designated public clinics. Meanwhile, the government will arrange free testing for targeted groups. To minimize the risk of community transmission, we should take the initiative to get tested. Together, we must fight the virus. Stay vigilant. Visit coronavirus.gov.hk for details. The government provides public COVID-19 testing services through different channels. 
those without symptoms but feel they have a higher risk of exposure can visit designated public clinics or other distribution points to obtain free test kits. Those having compulsory tests can visit community testing centers for free testing. The centers also provide self-paid services to those needing test reports for personal use. If feeling ill, see a doctor promptly and don't go elsewhere. Thank you.